You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I have another guest with me. Uh, And this is a special guest to me because he and I were in school together, and we graduated together, so we we got our doctorates at Cal U of Pennsylvania, and uh, we, we did the same program, and we had different areas of study. I focused on attribution theory and attributional retraining, and, um, and my friend, Dr. Gaman Hung, focused on mindfulness. So I want to welcome you here today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Gaman. Thanks so much for having me, Rick. So tell me a little bit about um, why you got into mindfulness, how this became uh, a, maybe a practice for you, and uh, why it was that you started studying that as the, the topic for your dissertation. So, I mean, I've been a teacher now for probably about close to 14 years, and now I teach at the university level. And, um, you know, I, too, am also a, uh, an NASM certified personal trainer. Yeah, you are. Corrective exercise specialist. I remember you were one of my, uh, one of my uh, teachers and trainers when I went to uh, the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York. But, um, Whoa, that was a long time ago, too, man, because it's been a long time since we've been there. <laughs> Eric Beard and, you know, had some oh, Love that guy. Got to train with uh, with Rodney Corn. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for me, actually, uh, mindfulness wasn't even in the realm. It only when I started um, uh, working with uh, mentor teachers or becoming a, a mentor teacher in my 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 actual professional uh, teaching field that I become uh, more engrossed in the study of mindfulness. My my supervisor came up to me one day and she said, "You know, we're." having a lot of kids in our physical activity classes, physical education classes that are experiencing stress. And um, the one way that we could probably do away with some of that stress or probably mitigate those effects is to teach them mindfulness practices. And so when she asked around the room and uh, said, you know, is there anybody willing to try mindfulness practices? Nobody raised their hand because to, to, to most physical education teachers, we, we thought, oh, well, we want to get active. We want to immediately get out onto the fields or in the courts. We, we want to immediately uh, start doing uh, calisthenics. Um, but I raised my hand and I said, you know, I'd, I'd give it a shot. I'd try it. And I'm not afraid of trying new things, even if I'm wrong. And uh, <laughs> basically, I ended up leading um my school training with mindfulness and uh then the opportunity came around to take a doctorate in health sciences and that was an area for me which i felt i did not have enough knowledge in and um it it was something that i could add to the field well i think that you did a a great job of doing so i was able to listen to your dissertation defense and i thought it was fantastic and i think this would be a good time to really delve into some of the stuff that you focus on. And here's the thing, because right now, uh, amid COVID, the coronavirus pandemic, I think now is a good time as any for reflection and introspection and self-evaluation, lifestyle choices, behaviors, all of those things. And uh, certainly mindfulness is a component part of that. So what are some of the things that we can do um, as, as personal trainers that can help guide that and support that, not just in ourselves, but in other people? So uh, there's, there's several different branches of mindfulness. I mean, we have, um, uh, 
there's 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 websites out there. There's articles that talk about uh, different types of mindfulness, specifically transcendental med- meditation, uh, spiritual types, focus meditations. We have movement types of mindfulness, uh, mantra mindfulness, which is basically when you uh, do those those incantations and those chants. Um, but a lot of people think that mindfulness is is sort of religious in a sense, and I would argue that it's not religious; it's more spiritual. Um, okay. And there's no better way for a trainer to allow a client to get in touch with his or her own body um, than to allow them to get in touch with their own feelings and how they feel about exercise. I think a lot of us, when we first start training a client, we, we have this concept in our mind of what this client is coming here for. And, and we have to remember as trainers, especially new trainers, that it's not about you being a trainer. It's about you helping your client. So, what are some of the best ways that we can help our clients? And, you know, we focus on their goals. We focus on where they want to be. Um, we have them tell us exactly what the, um, the outcomes are and, and where they want to be down the line. Um, but seldom do we ever focus on, on, on their mindsets, right? So they come to us and, and part of the reason why they are hiring us, they hire us for a number of reasons. They hire us because they don't know the exercises. They hire us because maybe they need that coaching. All right. Because there's a very big difference between, going into a workout by yourself and going into a workout with a buddy, right? And there's an even bigger difference when you go into a workout with a coach um, or trainer. And it's up to us, I think, to to allow our clients to feel that sense of accomplishment and understand that working out can sometimes be uncomfortable, especially when you first start. You might be worried. You might be nervous. You might walk into a gym and there's all these mirrors all over the place. So it makes the gym look four times as big as it actually is. You're worried about people who are looking at you. You're worried about people who are um, looking at your body for the first time or maybe perceiving you that you uh, don't lift as much or that you aren't as fit. Um, You're worried about all these judgments. And when we teach our clients about mindfulness and we teach, I mean, when we teach our kids about mindfulness, even we teach them that we want to come from a a place of non-judgment and with every, um, mindfulness, um, practice that's out there, we try to, 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 to instill what's called a beginner's mind. And the beginner's mind is basically when you come into something and it's the very first time that you're viewing it. And, um, I believe it was Jigoro Kano, um, who was a Japanese um, uh, philosopher slash um, uh, shogun master, ended up saying that you know, in in a uh, uh, an expert's mind, there are a few possibilities, but in a beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. Oh yeah. So, it, it, even just being a trainer, um, a lot of us come from different fields. So if you played football when you're in high school or college, and now all of a sudden you're coming in thinking, okay, well we gotta. We got we to gotta do the exact same things I did when I was younger. Um, if you came from the dance field or if you came in as a yoga instructor, we tend to impart our own likabilities um, and our own comfort on our clients. Um, you know, I've met trainers before who uh, they were yoga instructors and, and, and half of the, the uh, training sessions were stretching and, and, and doing different types of, of, of calisthenics. Um, and that's okay, but we need to understand, though, that, it, that there are many possibilities out there for our clients and that it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to try new things. Let me ask a question because I think there might be a lot of people who are listening to this 
that are like, look, man, I, I tune into this podcast because I just want to know, uh, you know, what are some of the science about how can I how can I get some of the better outcomes for my clients? Uh, how can I get bigger? How can I uh, jump higher, run faster, uh, focus on core stability, corrective exercise? What, what is the benefit of of mindfulness and um why is it important for people who are so focused on the physical to start adding in these components of mindfulness? So I'm going to work backwards on that and, okay. and just say that the uh, level of focus, I think, is important because if you're working with your body, you need focus regardless. If you are doing movements and you cut incorrectly, you could blow out your ACL. Um, I just think that uh, in terms of, of, of being aware of where your client's body is at all times and having them have a good feel of exactly how the exercise is supposed to feel um, is, will, 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 will take you leaps and bounds. Um, when you are coaching your client in a deadlift, let's say, which mm-hmm. is uh, one of the, I would say, one of the best exercises that's out there. It's, 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 they call it the king of the exercises. Um, you're building up all these different muscles around your body, but at the same time, you're reminding them to have that straight back and you're reminding them where you want to feel that emphasis. Uh, when you are squatting as well, um, great coaches are able to point to certain areas of the body and tell them exactly where their body needs to be in space. Uh, there's a reason why we have a mirror in front of us when we are working out because we want to be focused on, on, on our movements. Uh, if you're swinging, when you're doing a, um, a, a, a preacher curl or a, a, a standing barbell curl, uh, you're going to, or what we call cheat curls, you're going to be throwing your back into it and you're not going to be developing your muscle through the full range of motion. So I think for us, even when we're stretching, uh, it's, it's critical. Um, when we're doing SMR, self myofascial release, and you're doing foam rolling, you're asking your client all the time, where do you feel those spots? Where Let's roll down to another spot. Do you feel this now? How does this feel to you? Does it feel like a sharp pain? Does it feel like a dull pain? Um, I just think that constant feedback and that that sense of mindfulness and being aware of where your body is is important as well. The other that. aspect too. The other aspect too, and um, this is this is this is this is related to to, to evidence based practice. When we are eating, we have a practice where we should be mindfully eating. Um, there's there's research that shows that Americans, on average, we chew our food five times before we swallow it, when really what we should be doing is we should be chewing 22 times before we swallow it. And just by doing that simple practice alone, it helps your brain catch up with your body. Um, and as your brain catches up with your body, your stomach feels like it's more full. So if your clients are looking to lose weight, um, you want to have them sit there and and eat and pay attention to the textures of their foods. Uh, pay attention to how many times they're they're chewing their food. What are the what are the tastes like? Is it salty? Is it sweet? Um, and as they as they as they consume their food, they shouldn't be sitting in front of the television. That's one of our our, our our big issues in America right now is that a lot of people we tend to find eating boring. So what do we usually do? We are the fastest eaters on the planet, and we sit in front of a television, and we just consume. And so this becomes a habit for us. And it's these habits that we need to be mindful of. We're taking notice of these habits. So there's a lot of things that go into mindfulness. And it's not just the the, the meditation itself. It's not just calming the body. It's being aware of what you are doing. When you're going to the gym and you're having your clients work out and there's a television in front, 
you're probably not going to burn as many calories as if you told your client to turn the TV off and focus on your breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that's really critical for us to, to think about, because as, as you pointed out, we we may be the the most mindless eating society. And I know that sometimes I do it, too, just mindlessly grabbing food. I've I've noticed this uh, particularly amid um, COVID-19 quarantine. That that it has been a challenge, and the first week I gave myself that, that the freedom to to do so, um, and then during the second week of quarantine, I really focused on preparing my meal in advance, and to, uh, I would challenge myself with certain things, like if I had, I mean, this is kind of strange, but if I was eating uh, a beef jerky then I would try to see how long that I could just keep it in my mouth before starting to chew it, right? So, so it's right. like a, like something just to hold on to um, because otherwise it's eating and eating and eating. And I found also this was just something that was nice that slowed me down. I have sunflower seeds that are shelled and sunflower seeds that are inside their shells. Correct. And I've been feeding the the ones that have already been shelled to the birds. And because if not, I'll just eat and I'll eat and I'll eat. Um, the the right. shells slow me down incredibly. And I don't know <laughs> if you understand probably how much shelling while they're in your mouth slows you down. Um, but also being aware of it. And there's so many times, especially once I was diagnosed with uh, diabetes, that being much more aware of the food that I have, not just what I eat, but what even is in my house, I have to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So um, let's let's talk about just some of the, I love because you already mentioned something that regarded um, evidence, right? And that's what I really like. How do we kind of turn this into more of an evidence-based practice? What are some things that you've seen and that you've studied that show the benefits of mindful practice? So uh, a lot of what I've studied is actually how to teach mindfulness practices, especially in the context of um, a a K through 12 school district. Um, And what we found is that in regardless of of, of the environment, I mean, you're going to have people who feel stress, right? So whether or not if it's in the gym, if you are a sports trainer, um, uh, if you are a teacher, if you are even a a supervisor or a boss, for instance, or a manager of a gym, um, it's, it's good to to take note of the mindfulness practices and how they can allow your staff to almost work optimally or or function optimally. Even if you're a a client, for instance, there have been studies that have been done that have showed that if you do a certain type of mindfulness, whether if if it's mindfulness walking, whether or not if it's just five minutes of breathing exercise, um, whether if it's some sort of guided meditation that your, um, your your performance actually increases thereafter. Um, it increases brain capacity, brain waves, um, and, and it also for for as you're exercising, for instance. I mean, you're 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 just like I said before, you're targeting your muscles. I mean, there's there's I use this example all the time when whenever I uh, I'm coaching or I'm teaching about the idea of the concentration curl, right? Um, concentration curls are, are great for definition; they build up that that peak. Um, but why is it that they are? Why is it that people like your 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 fitness enthusiasts they swear by by 
by the one exercise, and even though it's not functional at all, I mean, you know, you're taking a dumbbell <laughs> and you're putting it in between your legs. Why do they still do it? Why? Because because you're focusing on one absolute movement and you're focusing on it to make it burn. Um, so my my advice to most people when it comes to to mindfulness is just try it, you know, and see what happens. Um, and if you don't know where to start, you're like most people and, and that's perfectly fine. And just understand that it's okay. And it's okay for you to be uncomfortable and it's okay for you to, um, accept that you are in the position that you're in because of, of your environment or just, you know, there are some days that we wake up and we don't feel like working out and that's okay too. Um, but once we learn that acceptance, we can then move on. Yeah. Um, listen, man, I, I get it. I think a lot of people right now, it's, it's, it's really the reason that we're having the conversation because, um, so many of us have the time to, to focus on, uh, ourselves and have some introspection during this time of COVID-19. So many of us are shut down. What would be a good way to, to start this mindfulness practice? How do we begin to develop it and how do we look at it in light of our current situation? Right. So, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I think for most people, I, I, I would say that they just starting and understanding that it's, it's going to be something that's uncomfortable for you at first. And if it is comfortable for you, great. Good for you. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with clients before on, on mindfulness and, you know, right before working out or right before, um, uh, uh, coaching, a, a, a big game, um, you know, you sit there and you, you, yeah, you, you start focusing on your own breathing. You start anchoring yourself. I would say the, the very first thing that I would recommend is going online. You can find a lot of guided meditations that are online. Um, and guided meditations are just working with breathing, working with where your body is in space. I mean, there's several different types of physical forms of mindfulness that we have. I mean, if you are into yoga, go try out yoga, all right? Um there's many different forms of yoga. I mean, there's, there's Hatha yoga, there's Bikram yoga, there's, you know, your, your power yoga. Um, there's, there's all these different forms of, 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 of physical, um, mindfulness that, that you can work on. Even if you are, um, at home right now and you are, uh, you feel cooped up and it's okay to go outside and, and, and just sit in the sunshine for a couple of minutes. Cause we all need sunshine. Ask yourself how that sun would feel on your face. Ask yourself how the heat feels on your body, or ask yourself how the breeze um, uh, rustles through your 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 hair. Uh, all these sorts of things are, are, are mindfulness. But where I would go first is you can go check it out. Um, Rodale actually has a great mindfulness series that's online, and um, if you just type in Rodale mindfulness, there's eight tracks that you can listen to, and it's free online um, by a guy named Mark Williams, who has his PhD in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, there's also uh, free resources that you can use online from Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime and you go online and you type in mindfulness tracks uh, or mindfulness CD. And it pops up and, and you can listen to a whole slew of these different types of, of guided meditations. Um, once you get really good at it and you feel as though, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time and I, I'm starting to feel better, which you will, you will absolutely feel better. Um, you'll feel more confident. I think that you'll start seeing things more clearly. Uh, I think that you'll start observing a lot of the little things around you just in terms of, of the way how people treat you or just the way how people seem happier or maybe you yourself are happier. So you sort of mirror that with other people. Um, 
then you could try meditation by yourself and you can do uh, a, almost like a solo meditation in a sense and try to get a little spiritual with it. And the way how, how I would recommend people doing it, you always start off with your breathing. Most of us are chest breathers. If you just start with putting your hand on your chest and putting your hand on your belly and start breathing and just notice which one is moving more. Is the hand that's on your chest moving more or is the hand that's on your belly moving more? And ideally, you'd want to have your hand that's on your belly moving and the hand that's on your chest not moving. Once you get to that point, turn off all sounds, turn off all um, different types of distractions, put your phone in airplane mode or standby mode and go sit on your bed, sit on a couch, sit on someplace that's comfortable for you. And then just try to meditate and think about nothing. And when you think about nothing, when something pops into your mind, that's completely normal. Just observe for what it is, whatever it is that it might be, and start putting it to the side. Uh, I, I use the term put it in a box. Just take it in a box and, and put it in that box. And once you put it in that box, try not to think about it again. And it might pop out again, but take it out and put it back into that box again. And every time that happens, just keep on doing it. And you'll find that just like you would with exercise, how you periodize your exercise, how you go from, you know, a certain amount of reps, sets, repetitions, or you're calculating total volume and you're trying to increase that total volume, the exact same thing happens when you meditate as well. So the first time you do it, you might do it for five minutes and you might wake up and come out of it and be, wow, that was that was a really long time. Yeah. Eventually, we'll get to a point where you can go for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and eventually you might be able to go for an hour, two hours, and it feel like time just goes by. You know, I have a, a friend of mine who who has a meditation practice and uh, he said he's been doing it for, for many, many, many years. And it, it's always nice to be reminded of something. So he was sitting in class and he was having a guided meditation with one of the instructors. And the instructor said, it's not really about trying to control your thoughts. Uh, it's about not having your thoughts control you. And, and so yes. you're, you're still going to have things kind of float through your brain and if if you're doing this your mindfulness right now what we're talking about is mindful meditation um that it's okay to think about things it's not right. like you're trying to empty your brain and you know you um you you can't keep birds from flying over your head right so thoughts are going to fly through your mind um but letting them nest in your head is something different right so you're you're trying not to, to let things control you. And one of the things that I focused on in my study was that there, there are some really, really um, uncomfortable red flags when we say that we can't do something because we can't control it and we don't see that ever changing. And so those are two real serious red flags if we don't feel we can control things and we don't think we're ever going to have the opportunity to change them. Now, I think everybody in this situation with COVID-19 believes that COVID-19 uh, is, is going to change, or at least all these situations around it. Some people are sick. Um, some people are, are in a lot of trouble. Some people are going to get worse. Some people are going to die, sadly. Uh, and some people are going to lose their businesses. And there are things that you cannot control. Control. But the Correct. mindfulness component of it is is really focusing on um, a lot of other things besides what is defeating you. 
Correct. I mean, I've, I've worked with coaches and trainers in the past and, you know, a lot of young coaches will say, oh, man, I can't believe that the rep did the, the referee did this or I can't believe that the crowd's having an effect on us. And the best coaches know and the best the best trainers know that you control only what you can control and don't worry about the rest. Um, and if you play your game or if you train the way how you have been trained, um, you will be OK. I mean, it comes down to basically neuroscience, right? So part of the reason why this is the way it is is because human beings, our brains are way more developed than, than other animals on the planet. And um, there's a great book out there. Um, it's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. By, oh, I by, love that uh, book. Yeah, by Sapolsky, okay? And um, he's a, a Stanford professor, and he basically, in, in his book, talks about how uh, a, a zebra who is eating or drinking at the, the watering hole, uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're completely calm and everything, and, you know, they're, they're there with their herd, and they're drinking water, and they're, they're all getting a nice drink, and um, a, a, a predator pops out, and it could be a cheetah that pops out from, from behind the brush, and now all of a sudden, the zebra's amygdala goes off, and it's like, it's like an alarm, and as it as it starts ringing, they start running, and they keep running until the cheetah either gets tired or until the zebra gets caught. Either way, um, you know it's going to stop at some point. Well, once it stops at that point and it's out of sight, out of mind for the zebra, the the amygdala doesn't activate anymore. So now the rest of the brain actually focuses, and it's completely fine. Our issue as human beings is that we are capable of thinking about the past and we're capable of thinking about the future. So if we're capable about thinking on the past, a lot of the times we regret the choices that we've made in the past and so we get depressed. But we also think about our future as well. So when we think about our future, we get anxious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important for us to understand because as, as trainers, when is when when would you actually have a – a client who comes in and says, oh man, I, I don't think I could do that exercise. That's too hard. Or I think I might get hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a client, but you know, in the client's mind, the client's mind's thinking, okay, I wonder how this is going to go. All right. If you're training, um, uh, uh, athletes on, on high repetition on, on, on high, on high weight and, and low repetitions. Um, and I'm very careful to say, you know, the one rep max, we, we want to try to stay away from that because we know that, that, you know, you have to be at a higher level in order for you to be able to do those things. Um, but at what point, though, do you start thinking, man, I'm, I'm underneath this bar and it's really heavy. And this bar, if I do this incorrectly, it's going to slip out of my hands and it's going to crush me. It's going to crush me. It's going to crush me. And as a trainer, your job is to just focus on getting that bar on and getting that bar off and making sure that they do it with proper form, proper technique, and that they're achieving their goals. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here we're, we're only going to focus on the things that we can control if you have clients that are going to the gym and as they're running on their treadmill they start thinking about a meeting that's happening this thursday uh or they're thinking about what they're going to eat tonight or they're thinking about uh the type of events that have unfolded at the office this past day they are not going to have as great of a workout as they normally should they're not going to get the best out of you right 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 um Look, man, I, I think this is right up our alley, what what we need to be thinking about, what we can take the opportunity to develop within ourselves right now, again, uh, during a time where where there's a lot of added stress into everybody's life. And um, we don't have the opportunity to, to go to the gym. And, you know, that, that's our mental health. So many of us uh, in this industry is, uh, you know, can I go outside and go for a run or can I... Uh, and sometimes that that is our 
mindfulness moment. I, I sometimes I'll, I'll go for a run and uh, I, or work out. I'm listening to audiobooks or sometimes I'm listening to music and then sometimes I just shut it off purposefully so I can focus on my run. I focus on my steps. I focus on my breathing. I focus on um, your heart rate. My heart rate. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it changes too. It's not always like I'm, I'm going to focus on um, any particular, though sometimes it's a breathing cadence. So I'll breathe in for three steps and breathe out for three steps or something like yep. that. You know what I mean? So it's just yep. a, it's, it's a challenge of, of narrowing my mind and narrowing my focus so that I'm not being distracted by every other thing that's out there. And sometimes the distractions are wonderful. Sometimes it's great to right. listen to music or an audiobook to watch TV. Um, but I think we we fill ourselves up with distraction too right. much and we don't focus on things enough. And and I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, now, especially with the COVID-19, how much more aware are you of washing your hands? How much more aware are you of social distancing? Um, I have to tell my kids to get their hands out of their mouths all the time. <laughs> Go wash right. your hands. Get your hands out of your mouth. Go wash your hands. Right. And that's just it. Like mindless behavior can hurt us. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think I read somewhere that we touch our, our faces on average. It was a hundred times a day or 200 times a day. Um, and I'm starting to think to myself, like, you know, that's, that's actually true. I, I probably do. I touch a door handle, then I, I, I scratch yeah. my head, you know, or I, I, I pick up my phone and then I, I rub my eyes. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's everywhere. Yeah. Hey, let me ask a question. Uh, I think I think mindfulness is a great way for like an internal coping mechanism, um, yes. much like the the external is hit the gym. Let's go for a run. Let's lift some weights. Let's do a, a high intensity interval training class. This is something that when it's raining outside, when it's uh, when when the gym's not available, as it is for many of us across the country right now, it is a means of coping that we can we can kind of be self-guided uh, or we can use tools that help support us. Um, if, if the listeners want to get more education on mindfulness, right. on how they can, they can start developing a practice um, and learning more about it, not just um, some of the previous things that you gave, which is, you know, here's some wonderful resources that you can practice it. But what are some ways that we can learn up on mindfulness and, and get ourselves a little more educated in it? So, I mean, there's a ton of books that are out there. And I mean, uh, I think mindfulness over the past uh, 15 years has started to increase in popularity. Um, if you took a look at the number of scholarly studies that came out before 2005, there were a handful. And now it seems like, I mean, we have journals that are dedicated to mindfulness. Um, one of my uh, favorite websites to go to is actually mindful.org. That's www.mindful.org. And um, it, it talks about simple mindfulness. And, you know, it, it's got no religious connotation whatsoever. So it's completely um, uh, secular. Um, and you have um, John Kabat-Zinn, who is, is what I would say is the father of the movement of modern mindfulness in America. Um, and he has several different books out there. And uh, one of his books is called Wherever, Wherever You Go, There You Are. Um, I feel like that's, that's a kid's book that I read at some point to my children. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the simple one. Um, then he's got another one, which is a thick compendium, and it's called uh, Full Catastrophe Living, which mm. I would highly recommend. And I mean, that is 
that, that was instrumental with with my doctoral research um and and there's a ton of other resources that are available i mean within your own towns even i mean you just have to go look for them um i know in my town we actually have a a mindfulness saturday where people go out and they are right next to the river and they just sit there and they meditate um and if it's your first time meditating you know you they they send out an event bright obviously right now with the COVID 19 um a lot of these services are shut down but i would recommend possibly trying to join a an online mindfulness group um, I know Facebook has mindfulness groups that you can join on. You can use Zoom. You can use Google Hangouts, um, and 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 using all these other different types of social media um, platforms like Skype, for instance, will will enable you to to join a uh, a guided mindfulness session. Um, but you know the mindfulness aspect itself, even if you are stuck at home, this is actually critical for 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 us to understand. So I don't know if you remember this, but a year and a half ago, um, there were a group of Thailand soccer players, uh, children that were stuck in a cave. Oh yeah. Kids, okay. Um, and miraculously, they all survived. Right. Yeah. The only person that that passed away, unfortunately, was the uh, Thai uh, Navy SEAL who went in and got stuck under and uh, ran out of oxygen. But they, this 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 group of kids, was stuck in there for an extended period of time. It was it was over a week. And um, how did how do you think? the coach managed this well the coach ended up talking them through and spoke to them about mindfulness and had them do breathing exercises had them stay focused on their on themselves had them stay focused on their own safety don't worry about if the water is going to come up don't worry about whether or not if you are going to uh get saved because just focus on being here and being now and and that's what he was credited with um all the students and all the uh the, uh, the, the student athletes actually credited him with keeping them calm with mindfulness techniques. I love that. I love that. Well, so, one more thing for you. Even yeah, if please. you're a parent right now, even if you're a parent. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Tell me. So, so as I have many teacher friends being a teacher, and um, teachers right now are, are, are feeling a huge crunch because it's a lot of work that they are getting back in. I mean, you got to figure if you're in a classroom and you're teaching 30 students, that's one thing. But if you are responsible for getting all this material back from 30 students and then correcting all of it, it can seem overwhelming. And so we need to do one thing at a time, but it's even more overwhelming if you are a parent right now, if you were a parent and you have children at home, um, my heart goes out to you because you are with your children 24 seven and we all need a break. But one of the ways how we I'm just going to second that. Time. I'm just going to second that. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> one of the ways how we can get some quiet time is if we teach our children how to, to be mindful yeah. Be mindful of mommy and daddy's time. Um, be mindful that you might have work to do and be mindful that mommy and daddy also have work to do as well. But if you have a full family mindfulness practice, um, it's challenging. But you know what? Now is the time to try new things, especially when you are with each other and, and you're with your loved ones. I love that. I'm going to I'm going to start that uh, after I look at some of these resources. Um, I want to be able to provide uh, the best type of support, but I, that's a great idea and something. I'm yeah, gonna, and I'm you'll gonna... find that their concentration goes through the roof. Um, they are less likely to be anxious. Um, they're still going to be lonely. They're still going to want to hang around with friends. Um, but you'll find that as their brain waves start to develop a little more, uh, I mean, it really is exercise for your brain. You know, as trainers, we always think, well, we just got to exercise the body. Well, right. you know, to be a good trainer, you have to touch upon nutrition. You have to touch upon your, right. your, your mental state. So 
And and we we talked about and we you know a big part of our focus in school and uh, our health science program um, was wellness and wellness is not just fitness and it's not just not being sick. Correct. Uh, and and mindfulness is a part of that and and spirituality is a part of that and and it as you stated that doesn't necessarily mean religion and it can mean religion for some people. But it doesn't mean that it's not defined by that. And some of it is just being aware of your purpose, why you do what you do, understanding yourself, um, how to contribute and and be a part of a support system for those around you. And and there are a lot of people that can use our support right now. I feel we need to understand who we are and what we can offer before we can really truly understand how to help other people. And that's a great place to be right now and to focus and dial in on on being mindful with that uh, can be incredibly valuable. I would, I would, I would second that a hundred percent. And, you know, just to, to, to piggyback off what you said, I mean, we do have, when we're trainers, we do tend to focus on, on mostly the physical aspect. Um, and those of us who are, are uh, corrective exercise specialists, we work with occupational um, hazards as well. So if we have people that have, posture issues and that they're experiencing pain or that maybe they've come out of PT. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's a, a wheel that we use, which is called the wellness wheel. And most of us who are in health, we, we understand this, that there's, there, there's eight different domains. So we have the physical domain, we have the occupational domain, but we also have the financial domain, the intellectual domain, the social and cultural domain, uh, the emotional domain and the environmental as well as the spiritual domain. Um, so mindfulness really touches upon the physical, it touches upon the emotional, it touches upon the environmental, it touches upon the spiritual, the intellectual, as well as the social. So I mean, like you're targeting a lot of things when you are able to put in a mindfulness practice. And, and I think, especially now with COVID, uh, mindfulness could be very important for that financial aspect as well. Uh, it's, we can't control what just happened. Uh, there's, uh, you know, maybe some government support that's available. Um, but but being aware of that, I mean, certainly I've had four businesses uh, shut down immediately and we've been closed for a while. Uh, and and I've told numerous people, I said, I'm, uh, I'm worried, but I'm not scared. And I even told my wife, you know, even if we lose everything, uh, it's been a good ride. Right, like I've really enjoyed everything up to this point, uh, and if we lose everything, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sick. She's not sick with the kids. Uh, well, the kids are sick, but we just got his results back that it's not COVID nineteen. So we're we're all in a we're still in a good place and a and an opportunity for us to count our blessings and you know uh, this financial crisis that we're all in. It's really good to be mindful of, and I know that um, it can be challenging for all of us, but focusing on um, the things that we can control and we can try to control our thoughts. And uh, as I commonly say in the Daily Move Challenge, which is a workout at home program that that I've done, we often say, do what you can, not what you can't. And right. um, and I think we can focus on that with mindfulness as well, is, is think on what you can control and not what you can't control. Uh, and and that's a a, a value. Um, well, let me let me say this: we're we're almost at forty minutes, and usually these things are twenty minutes. So I, I think it just speaks to the value of 
of the topic and uh, and your depth and what you've been able to provide. So I want to say thank you so much for contributing to the NASM podcast, man. I really appreciate you having it on. Um, and then can you also, just before um, we let you go and you let us go, um, is there a way that people can find you, uh, reach out to you if, uh, if you don't mind, whether it's social media handles or email, if we've got any questions for you? Sure. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Gaman Hung. It's spelled K-A-M-A-N. Last name Hung, H-U-N-G. You can also find me on Twitter. Um, I currently don't have a website. But uh, you can also reach me through email as well at gamanhung at live.com, which is K-A-M-A-N-H-U-N-G at L-I-V-E dot com. Awesome. Gaman, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much, Rick. Take care. You too. All right, guys. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast. Thanks for listening.